Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, what's up? Last day of the work week, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. And I wish you could see Brian Haydad right now. It, well, in truth, you, you can. can. Yeah, You can uh, watch what happens during Sports Talk Mississippi live or on demand on your computer or on your phone or tablet by going to uh, supertalk.fm slash watch, and then all the ways that you can do it, including streaming through your uh, your television with your Roku or Amazon Fire TV devices, uh, search Supertalk or go to supertalk.fm slash connect to uh, get connected on your smart device. The reason I, I say that, Brian Haydad has taken Nick Saban's set a bottle of Coca-Cola on the podium at a press conference to a whole new level. Man, you look good in red. Don't start with me. Uh, I just want to represent Don't something I love. Don't start with you. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Get that bright red Coca-Cola t-shirt on today. I'm digging it. Red's not Red's not my favorite color, though. But by That far. looks good on you, though. I think you should do that yeah, more often. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Good to be with you this afternoon. C Spire text line is open as it is every single day. The number for you to be a part of the show, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but C Spire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. So here's the real deal. The best plan for one or two lines, period. Unlimited talk and text with 10 gigabytes of high-speed data, $45 per line with auto pay and paperless billing. Without auto pay, only $50 a month. How's that for fine print? No bull. That's the real deal. Switch today at cspire.com slash real deal. Borky, what's up? I'm considering canceling my subscription to The Athletic. Okay. Over one article. It was their top 30 baseball songs. Center field was not one of them. Oh, come on. It- I'm serious. Center field was not one of them. I might me, cancel me, the whole I, thing. Get Will Salmon on the phone. <laughs> for, for what it's worth, or uh, out of curiosity, what was number one? Uh, number one, as I scroll back, is Cubs in Five by the Mountain Goats. Number two was Catfish by Bob Dylan. Talking Baseball was three, Terry Cashman. We're talking Wait. baseball. What is Catfish by Bob Dylan? I've never even heard this song. They picked it for this line in the song. Lazy stadium night, catfish on the mound, strike three, the umpire said, better have to go back and sit down. They, they picked it for a line of the song. Center field is about baseball. It's a oh baseball song. Pearl Jam's All the Way, number four. Piazza, New York Catcher is apparently a song, number five. Just just stop talking. I'm just getting mad. <laughs> Joe DiMaggio, Done It Again, 6. Say Hey. Okay, that's a good one. That's 7. Tessie, that's my favorite at 8. 
Nelly's batter up at nine. Is the uh, the country uh, a rendition of the uh, what was it? Hey, batter, batter, hey, batter, batter, hey, batter, batter, sweet. What was that? Who sang that? Well, I don't listen to Bro Country, so I don't know the answer. Go Cubs Go at 10. Kanye West did a song about Barry Bonds. That's 11. Soundgarden did a song about Ty Cobb. That's 12. I had no idea. I knew that, but still. Pretty terrible list there you got. It's awful. I, I mean, my goodness. 30. Glory Days was 16. Cheap Seats was 17. These are all terrible decisions that have been made. Uh, see, I'm trying to find ones that I even recognize. Is is Counting Crows Omaha on there? I don't see it yet. Ode to the Mets by the Strokes. Uh, Warren Zevon has a song on here. Um, He's from England. Ichiro's theme made it ahead of center field. Um, no love for John Fogarty. No love. That's unbelievable. So yeah, I might, I might just go ahead and cancel that three bucks a month right there for that. What a snub. The um, the the conventional thinking going into this week was if uh, we don't have something out of the Mississippi legislature by Friday, then it is a lost cause. And Borky, I love what you uh, you put in the rundown in Stephen A. Smith voice. However. <laughs> Things seem to have changed just a bit, as uh, we told you right here on Sports Talk Mississippi on Thursday afternoon. It was likely that the uh, legislature was not going to sign a die on Friday, that they were going to be around a little while longer, and it does indeed appear that they are going to be around a little while longer. Don't know exactly how long that is going to be. Robert Johnson III, who is the minority leader, was on the JT show earlier today and said that he believes the flag will be changed by Thursday of next week. A um, c- couple of things that can happen, by, by the way, just in terms of uh, uh, like procedural stuff. So if the House and the Senate pass a bill, it then goes to the governor's desk. If he signs it, it is law. If he vetoes it, it goes back to the House and Senate, where both houses or both bodies uh, would then have to overrule a veto with a two-thirds majority, and then the bill becomes law. Maybe slightly less known, if a bill goes to the governor's desk and he just lets it sit there for five days, four days or five days, I think it's five days, maybe it's four, but if he just lets it sit there and doesn't sign it, after that period of time expires, it becomes law. And so uh, there are a number of different ways that uh, that if we end up with a, a flag change, it could uh, could become law. Uh, those are uh, kind of the options that are, uh, are on the table. The House Rules Committee was scheduled to meet at 2.30 this afternoon. They went into a recess earlier this morning after a couple of hours. Uh, the House in its entirety is set to reconvene at 3 o'clock. The Senate is set to reconvene at 3.30 this afternoon. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, what that means. Hey, Dad, I, I know we talked in detail yesterday about the fact that you were in Jackson. Anything that you've heard today that uh, that gives you pause, that makes you optimistic, that makes you pessimistic, anything stand out? Uh, just from, from what I've been able to hear from some, some friends of mine that are, are near the situation, that it, it remains fluid, that... You've, you've got people who are, are dug in on both sides, obviously. Uh, they feel like they can 
they feel like there are people that are flippable. You know, it, it, it really it really is something. How much this sounds like we're talking about uh, college football recruiting. So um, where do we send the money? Yeah, <laughs> get you, get the bag men bags in, in the place. of cash are necessary. Get those red Nike bags flowing. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be close either way, uh, and we'll see what happens when the uh, the Senate takes up business back up up in about what fifteen minutes from now, but. I, I think we're in for uh, for uh, an interesting uh, few hours here on the air as as things are going on over there at the Capitol. Yeah, I think it could be fascinating, and we're going to try to uh, keep you up to date with uh, with all that is going on. Um, it was put to me when when all of the the leadership people went to bed last night, and uh, obviously there there has been plenty going on throughout the day today. The belief was that there were enough votes in the House, and that the Senate was. At that point, probably one sh- one shy that there were about five senators that were kind of on the fence. And in terms of changing the flag, the belief was that two of those five were were flippable, to use your term from just a second ago, and the third was in question. And that's how close it is. I mean, you could be looking at one vote in the Senate if indeed the House does have the uh, requisite number of votes to get the two-thirds majority to suspend the rules and bring a bill to the floor, uh, that's how close this could be as to whether or not ultimately uh, they are able to uh, to move forward with the vote, which at that point would only take a, uh, a majority. And as we have discussed, the governor has alluded to the fact that um, he would uh, would likely not veto uh, that bill because the uh, the two-thirds majority votes, in theory, would be enough to, uh, to override his veto. So... Um, I, I don't know that we, we feel like we've got a, uh, a better answer to the question of is it more or less likely today than when we finished up yesterday afternoon at, uh, at 6 o'clock. I will tell you this. There is rumor, news, report, whatever, that is, uh, that is floating around on Twitter that says... SEC schools are preparing to not play the Mississippi schools this year if the state flag does not come down. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that no conversations among the athletics directors as a group have occurred even remotely discussing that idea. It's it's false. It's just not accurate. Athletics directors are meeting on calls twice a week right now. They've been doing that through the entirety of the COVID-19 situation. They were meeting multiple times a week, yet more than two, early on in this process. And from some folks that have been on every single one of those calls, I've been told that never has that idea been broached. It hasn't been discussed. That doesn't mean that at some point in the future it might not be discussed possible doesn't necessarily mean that a couple of ad's texting offline maybe have thrown the idea around but in terms of with all 14 ad's on a call talking about whether or not they should boycott playing games in the state of mississippi because of the state flag that simply has not happened hey hey dad hey you uh, you remember like six minutes ago when you said it's really going to be fun to uh, kind of follow what happens throughout the course of the afternoon in the legislature? Was I wrong? 
at uh, 315, the Mississippi House of Representatives tweeted, the session has adjourned at 315. The House will reconvene at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> well, Senate gavels in soon, though, don't they? <laughs> yeah, at 330. Uh-huh. And at 345, <laughs> we'll get back to you on the Senate adjourning until tomorrow morning. Our this was the workload that you were talking about yesterday us. that you appreciated so much. Yeah, man, I, I wish I could get these kind of jobs. Do two segments, uh, like, all right, I'm out for the next hour and a half. The House Rules Committee, where an expected resolution on the flag will come from, will uh, meet tomorrow morning at 9.30. So the House Rules Committee will meet at 9.30. The House, in its entirety, will reconvene tomorrow at 10 a.m., and we'll find out what the uh, Senate's plans are as well in uh, in a little while. So, hey, some uh, some interesting quotes from Adam Silver. Borky, I, I know these will interest you. You may have seen them already. He was on a conference call with reporters a little while ago. It's still happening currently, but the important stuff has already been said. We are left with no choice but to learn to live with this virus. No options are risk-free right now. Pretty strong. Yeah, and that's another sports leader. So we had it from the PGA Tour this week that has openly admitted, hey, he said also in this press conference, I mean, there's no situation where there's not risk. Until there's a vaccine, you assume risk by doing anything. So... We, we think it's important. We're going to play. We're doing it as safe as possible, but we have to live with it, and, and we're going to push on. I, it's just refreshing to hear that level of common sense and not worried about the, the, the reaction to that because that's what most people think. He, uh, he did say, and I'm paraphrasing here, this is not a direct quote, that uh, he believes that players from the NBA will be safer inside the bubble than outside the bubble. He said, and this is a direct quote, we're not saying full steam ahead no matter what happens, but we feel very comfortable right now with where we are. He said, yes, the level of concern has increased, not just because of the increased levels in Florida, but throughout the country. He also said, we're coming back because sports matter in our society. They bring people together when they need it the most. It almost sounds like Adam Silver's been listening to Sports Talk Mississippi a little bit. <laughs> and I know, boy, look... That, that is a statement that some people are going to pick apart. Sports don't matter at a time like this. Can we get past the idea that sports don't matter? They do matter. To a lot they, of people. They, they matter because people care about them and spend money it, on them. Disposable income. That's what I was going to say. Even, even beyond it matters to fans and stuff, the, people's livelihoods are, are tied up in this. We need Americans working. And sports coming back is a big part of that. Yeah, and and it's not just when, when you say we need sports back so people can get working. That's not just talking about the players, professional yeah, athletes about, that are making millions of dollars. We're talking about talk, security personnel and food yes. vendors and broadcasters and uh, agents. I, I mean, they've got to make a living. That's the job that they've chosen. Uh, you know, front or office personnel, and, and that doesn't just mean general managers that are making high six figure incomes. That means. Uh, the secretaries and the office staff that work in those places, all of these people need sports to come back. Sports talk radio show hosts need sports to come back. I mean, we've done the best that we can and, and have, I, I think, for the most part, brought 
relatively interesting and compelling content to you, but this can't last indefinitely with no sports. I mean, we, we, we don't get to host a radio show on Super Talk Mississippi forever when Korean League Baseball and professional golf in the United States and international soccer are the only things that are happening. Hey. I'm sorry. I mean, maybe you can go join Men in Blazers. Like a like a 52 wide, I think, is what I wear. So, yeah. I, mean, I didn't say what size blazer. I just, you know, those guys aren't going anywhere. Soccer's happening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, we, we've got to get it back uh, eventually. And I, I I like hearing what Adam Silver has to say on this. Borky, has your, has your position changed a little bit on Adam Silver? Like, early on in this crisis, you, you were... It's been a little bit of a roller coaster overall. Like early on, oh, yeah. you were kudos to Adam Silver. He's really doing a good job. And then you were kind of, and I think partly this was the NBA fan in you coming out saying, they got no direction. They're sending out text message saying, well, what do you want to do? And then it kind of coalesced into a, a pretty strong, well thought out plan. Yeah. Still feel like it took too long. I mean, I, I don't see why they couldn't be playing right now. But it, yeah, it's changed. I, I mean, because everything has happened so fluidly, like Kyrie Irving's craziness aside, it, and apparently he wasn't really taken all that seriously. He grabs headlines because he's the vice president of the Players Association, but it seems like most people not named Dwight Howard, who's also a crazy person, uh, didn't take him seriously at all. So even that being the biggest hiccup, otherwise everything's been fluid. Had a plan, all owners on board. Every owner is paying their players full salary, even though their revenues are going to drop significantly. All the players, with the exception of ones that have very good excuses like the birth of a child or having a child that has respiratory issues, stay, other than those guys staying behind for good reason, everybody's all in. You, you've got a plan in place, and even though they're going to a state in which coronavirus cases are way up, they've got this action plan that the players apparently all really appreciated and signed off on today. So there was no issues with getting the health and safety plan down. Everything... To, to their credit, has worked really, really well and really smooth, and there's been only hang-ups from crazy people. But they're about to put on a product now. And I find it funny, people will share, like, Florida's data. So they had 9,000 new cases today. In a Like, that's a really high number compared to their numbers over the last few weeks and months. But people will share that and say, I can't believe the NBA's calling this a bubble. Like, did you think they were going to make the whole state of Florida a bubble? Because all they need is their players and their staff and the people working with them to be safe. Otherwise, you could have 90,000, not 9,000 cases in the state of Florida, but as long as they're all negative and not interacting with the outside world, it doesn't matter. So the plan's good. Everything's worked really well. It's taken too long, but at least they're putting a product on the floor. Have, have you seen the information from the CDC that um, you know they, they update the national coronavirus numbers, and obviously they're broken down on a state-by-state basis, and they made the statement that very likely the actual number of coronavirus cases out there is, is like 10x the number of positive tests. And there, there are two very different reactions to that. Reaction number one is incredibly predictable. 
oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Ten times more people that are even testing positive, positive have coronavirus. Holy cow. Everybody's got it. This is a disaster. We've got to shut everything down. We've got to bring this to a halt. We've got to stop the spread. That's the predictable response. But how about this response if you use your brain a little bit more? Wait, you mean to tell me that there are ten times the number of cases that are testing positive that are floating around walking among us? Then doesn't that mean that this really isn't nearly as bad as many people have made it out to be? Because the death rate, if you use the 10x number, is one half of 1%. One half of 1%. We had 30,000 deaths from 400,000 flu cases this year. I'm not equating the two, necessarily. I'm just saying that... what's uh, What's the phrase... Fear porn? Isn't that what uh, what everybody says? Yep. How much how much fear can we stir up? Please understand, I'm not belittling COVID nineteen at all. No, it, you're it's just... it's serious, and and for some it's fatal, and that's sad and it's scary, uh, especially if you have people who are immunocompromised or people that you care about are, are older. Uh, and are more susceptible to the disease. But in terms of, like, just folks that are of working age, are younger, of school children, of college students, yeah, we got people that are getting it. Apparently, we've got 10 times more people than we realize who are getting it who actually have coronavirus, or at least have the antibodies for coronavirus. And guess what? It's not that big of a deal it's serious but it doesn't deserve the level of freak out that a lot of people give it is that positive for college football season for college basketball which will be on its heels i, I don't know pete tamil wrote an interesting story yesterday uh, it was on uh, on yahoo sports and it feels like the idea of spring football as opposed to a fall football season is actually gaining a little bit of steam. We'll talk about that when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad on this Friday afternoon. At some point, I will get Brian Haydad to tell us what he is putting on the grill this weekend. Will it be a grilling weekend? Nah, it's supposed to rain all day tomorrow. It's supposed to rain all day tomorrow. Is it tomorrow, too? Yeah. I thought I was getting out of here. Mm. When I looked at it earlier today, it said thunderstorms on Saturday. So you don't want to just stand by the grill with an umbrella? No, I don't. (laughs) Not not a good plan. Not a uh, a good plan. I I got some. What I'm I'm cooking, you, you, you might want to make the trip down. Oh, yeah. Doing your favorite. Stouffer's? God, no. I was trying to be it's serious, a, and here you come with me with the Stouffer's thing. I'm what, making jambalaya. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Not pastelaya this time, but actual jambalaya. Natural jambalaya, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Straight Zatarans or... Uh, oh, more, no, no, no. We got more homemade. Yeah, more homemade. Uh, don't knock Zatarans now. 
No, it's good. It's good. Thursday night when you get home, you want to, that's, that's that's an easy meal and a good one. But but not what you do when you want to make a day out of yeah, it well, on I got Saturday. Few, well, I got time to do it. I, I can do it the real way, yeah. There you go. Well, it's you, Bork. You got uh, plans? Going to do pizzas on the egg. Haven't done that yet. Looking forward mm, to trying. Good call. Good call. Doesn't take long either. Yeah, so I, I need to look up more. So I've seen multiple different ways to do it. One where you just get like a pizza pan, which we have, like the the stone that you stick in any oven or whatever. Yeah. Also, yeah. taking that that place setter and flipping it upside down and using that, I've seen. So which one is better? Uh, I actually do a combination of the two. So we will. You take the place setter and turn it where the flat side is up and then I set the grill grate on top of that actually maybe maybe it's put the grate in and then just set the place setter on it and then I set the uh, the baking stone just on top of that and then just kind of take it on and off with like oven mitts or grill gloves or whatever hmm. gonna give it a go gonna make multiple but you, but you don't I mean you, you don't want to do it over direct heat though I mean you, you want that place setter in there if you're doing it on an egg so you get the indirect heat. All right. I'm looking forward to it. I've only done really barbecue on it, and I need to expand my my horizons. The wife's getting kind of sick of barbecue every weekend. <laughs> Good call. She very nicely told me that she would like for me to try to cook something else. So, yeah, see, you got to mix it up. You can't always go to the grill, Richard. Yeah, you can. You just cook different stuff on the grill. I don't know. Well, look, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not as good in the kitchen as my wife is. So, you know, when we don't do the grill, generally she cooks inside, generally. And I tend to cook outside when it's on the grill. It's kind of how we divvy the responsibilities. you got to up your game is what is all I'm hearing from that. Yeah, but you sometimes gotta... you don't want to like get in the way. Right? I mean, right. she's really, really good as as a cook. And so I kind of let her do her thing and stay stupid. I mean, I'm happy to help, but I yeah. don't just like generally take over the kitchen unless it's for breakfast. I'll do that every now and then. Anyway, just uh, just saying. All right. So the the story that I mentioned a second ago. Here's the uh, the lead for it or, or the the heading. With a pandemic nightmare looming in the fall, fear porn. College leaders can still save football season. Mm, okay, you semi got my attention. Tamil points out that we're nearly a month from the start of formal 20-hour-per-week college football practices and two months from the sports week zero kickoff. As the number of positive COVID-19 tests spike across the country, college coaches have become increasingly dour about the prospect of any kind of functional college football season. He, uh, he has some quotes from anonymous Power 5 coaches and athletic department's officials. He says, I, uh, one uh, Power 5 coach told Yahoo Sports, I have no idea how we play. We are cleared to have 10 guys work out at a time with no one within 10 feet of each other and have to clean the entire weight room. And two weeks later, we can line up in a walkthrough 11-on-11? Another Power 5 coach said, if it's contact tracing and lose a guy for 14 days... I don't know how we're going to have a football season. 
Uh, there was a prominent athletic director who said, I understand and am concerned about the challenge of playing... Oh, okay, sorry, there was a transition point here before I read that, that quote. So, Thamel writes, all of that leaves us with a bigger question. Why has there been no significant discussion about moving the sport to the spring? Yahoo Sports reached out to officials and athletic directors across the major conferences, and there's been little to no significant discussion about delaying the season to assure that it's safer and more manageable. And then he goes on to make the case for a spring season. He says the potential for lower health risk and medical advancements from treatments and vaccines, which means more potential fan revenue and a safer environment for players. And this was the quote from what he listed as a prominent athletic director. I understand and am concerned about the challenge of playing two seasons in one calendar year. But in light of the country's uneven progress in fighting the pandemic and some of the recent testing numbers from football programs, we have to revisit the possibility that spring football is the better of two suboptimal choices. There's more there, and you can go and uh, can read the entire thing at, uh, at Yahoo Sports. Just go to Pete Thamel's Twitter feed or go directly to Yahoo and search for it, and, and you can find it and read it. So, on the surface, what's your reaction? We, we can peel back the layers on this, but but the kind of initial reaction. That requirement that they're going through right now, so 10 guys in a room, you have to be 10 feet apart, and then in two weeks you're going to go to 11 on 11. I, I certainly understand where that's coming from. South Carolina's had a couple of players today that put on Twitter that, that they don't believe they should be on campus. I just... Where can common sense come in and say that you that this ten person in a room, ten feet apart thing is probably too far, and that this isn't the baseline for what you should be doing? You just have to do it for optics. Is that fair? Uh yes and no. I mean, I, I think we've got enough of a sample size now to realize that. We're going to have outbreaks within football teams. I mean, you, you, you've got reports out there with big numbers, and then you've also got no reports in places. And you've got places that haven't reported numbers in a while. Indiana didn't know. have a single, they tested, what was it, two weeks ago, didn't have a single positive. Okay. That's good for them. That it, makes them the exception, not the rule. Yeah. I just, that's my question is how do you handle it? Because if you know an outbreak is coming within your locker room, if it's coming and it'll cause a shutdown, then why are you even trying? You know, what's the point of even doing workouts right now and getting ready for a season? Because you know, in September, somebody's going to have and get coronavirus and it's going to spread through a team. And if that's causing just these shutdowns like people want, this effort right now is just useless. You know, one thing that, that maybe you're hoping for, hey, Dad, is something that we've talked about, kind of the herd immunity idea that, you know, once you get it, maybe you don't get it again, or at least if you do, you're not as likely to get it again. And so yeah. let Which it run its course likely. now and then hope that that's yeah. better later. Yeah, I mean... I hate making comparisons to the flu, but you know you, you can get the flu again. You can have the flu and then get, but very rarely do you get the flu and then you get it again soon. You know, I've had the flu a couple times, but there was years in between them, uh, and I don't know if that's how that works or not. You know, I'm, not, I'm certainly not a doctor, um, 
But uh, you know that 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 feels like a a reasonable hope. It doesn't feel like you know we're 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 stretching the limits of science by saying, hey, if these guys, you know, they get it, it passes through their system, and they're clear, they should be good to go. I don't know if that's the case or not, but it just seems reasonable to me. Okay. Um. I guess we're kind of diverging a little way from the from the overall. If you can't, I don't want to phrase this. I was talking to somebody with with somebody this afternoon, and and it was something that we talked about on the show yesterday or the day before. It, it it's okay that you don't know right now what August fifteenth is going to look like, because when you sit here on June twenty sixth and you look in the rearview mirror, two months, you get back to April twenty sixth, and you remember how bad things were at that time especially in, in some of the bigger cities in the country. And look where we are now. Well, Richard, cases are spiking again. Yes, I understand that, but the numbers have also come down in the places where it was bad. So it would stand to reason that as cases are spiking now, if you fast forward two months, maybe some of those numbers will be coming down again, like they did in some of the bigger cities initially. But if the numbers don't come down significantly, and we are getting outbreaks of 2, 8, 12, 30 that are having to go into quarantine because it's not just somebody that tests positive, it's somebody that tests positive and then anybody who was immediately around them and you're having to send your entire two deep into quarantine, you obviously can't play football. We'll pick it up after this. bunch of messages coming in on the ceasefire text line 601-879-4395 601-879-4395 one of those uh it was to do with the state flag actually a bunch of them were but uh one in particular said we voted once what's wrong with twice it would not pass and y'all know it won't so we make a bunch of backroom deals and shut the voice of voters up i responded to that i said i actually think it would pass though i believe the vote would be close Here's the problem that I've got with that. I think that process would be really, really ugly. And I think it would be detrimental to the state of Mississippi as a whole. Going through the, the build-up and the lead-up and the campaigning for whichever side you are for, whether you're for removal of the flag or for keeping the, the same flag, I think it would be an incredibly divisive process that would invite national scrutiny and you would have a lot of people that would uh, just kind of be looking and snickering, and uh, it would be it would be a big story nationally, in addition to it being a big deal in the state of Mississippi. And I think the light that shines on Mississippi during that process uh, would not be something that any of us were proud of, regardless of whether or not you were for the flag or against the flag. I think the way Mississippi would be portrayed would, uh, would be detrimental to the state. Uh, I've and, learned... and that, that, that's the biggest reason for me that I don't want it to go to a vote. Yeah, I've learned, though, this week through texts into the show and emails and comments I've seen on online and stuff like that, that there are people, maybe a very small vocal amount, there are people that don't care. That They don't care if it gets shined in a negative light. They don't care what would come. They just want it. They want symbols to remain in place, and they don't care the repercussions behind it. I mean, we've had people tell us that straight up, on our text feed, I've learned that this week, that there are people that don't really care. You can tell them 
You can provide them the list of names that we talked about the other day of all of the businesses in this state and the quotes from business leaders about the things that would come and Walmart said they're not there's so much economic tide into this situation and the answer is still I don't care there are people that just don't care if it hurts them if it hurts the state if it hurts the schools if it hurts sports if it hurts the economy they don't care because that symbol is is enough for them to not care about how bad things can possibly get I've learned that this week yeah um, I wonder if we put taxes to a vote, how that would turn out. You think? Do you think we'd still have taxes? Probably not. Nope. But we sort of need taxes, so we let the representatives do that for us, and about a million other things they do every year. So you know, the whole yeah. we have to vote. We don't. We don't. We don't have to vote. We vote. We vote for the uh, representatives to vote for us. Thomas in Greenwood says, "Do you think it would be uglier than what we're seeing now?" Oh, yeah, my dude. gosh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. and here's yeah. why. But, but, but here's why I think it would be uglier. I mean, you, you can find a blurb or a story or maybe of a mention in a national media outlet about what's going on right now, and the sports media is picking up on it because of the college football angle and the fact that there are two SEC schools in the state. I mean, that, that that's the reason that you're seeing stuff on ESPN and the bottom line on SEC Network and, and all of that. But in terms of... Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, you know, OAN, whatever. They're not talking about this a lot right now. But if it becomes a referendum issue where the people of Mississippi are voting on whether or not to keep their flag that has the Confederate battle flag in the Canton or to change the flag and all of the... Uh, again, I mean, you would have campaigning, just like you do for political office, on, on both sides of this issue. And the way the campaigning worked, it, you, you would have outside influence on that. I mean, people have talked about, ah, we don't like other people coming in and telling us what to do. Well, guess well, what? Buddy? You, you, you put it to a, a statewide vote, who do you think is going to pay for a lot of those ads that you're going to see on television ad nauseum? They will come from groups outside the state of Mississippi lobbying for or against. And it will just turn into a sideshow that will portray the entire state of Mississippi in the ugliest light possible. They only care about outside influences dictating things when it's something that they disagree with. If the NCAA came with a statement and said, we want Mississippi to keep that flag, those same people would be cheering wildly about the organization. That, that's, it's just because they're doing something they disagree with. It's not on principle. They changed the state seal in the last few years, right? Did we have a vote on that? We did not. Nope. We did Spoiler not. Spoiler alert. The addition of uh, In God We Trust to the... Yeah. Great Guess who seal put that of the state of practice. Mississippi, yeah. the state legislature. Yeah, and it's it's been widely applauded, not universally applauded, but widely applauded as a very good thing. Um, that it was a great addition. And I'm not look. I I am not. <laughs> can I make a vow right now that if we get to the point where we're going through a vote on what the state flag looks like, I will sit that out. I, I will sit out the, well, this one or that one looks better. Whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with, yeah. with whatever you want to do. Sure have my opinion, but I'll sit that one out altogether.
Jeff says on the C Spire text line, Hey, Dad, last night slash early this morning, I listened to your Thursday podcast and Friday podcast. The Thursday podcast was pretty good, even though it had Richard in it. That was That's a credit to me and Joel Coleman. The, how, despite how hard the, we the, had to work. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> I uh, appreciate that uh, greatly. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. If you're ready for a better phone, C Spire is here to help you out. Get up to $700. That is seven Benjamins off top smartphones online. When you trade in a device and add a new line, you'll always find awesome deals on the latest devices at cspire.com. Plus, with options like free same-day delivery and curbside pickup in select locations, getting a new smartphone is safer, quicker, and more convenient than ever. And the Cspire network is always getting faster and better, even letting you talk on the phone and use data at the same time. Head over to cspire.com now to find the perfect device for you. So there was somebody that was a little late on our, our conversation earlier about the uh, the story that Pete Thamel wrote at Yahoo Sports that was really championing the idea of moving the college football season to the spring. Uh, we didn't even get into the, the kind of the drawbacks from that. I mean, th- there are things that you just kind of have to reconcile with, that some of the marquee players in college football will not play in the spring because they will be getting ready for the draft. You will have seen the last of Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Um, because Trevor Lawrence is likely to be the number one pick in the draft, and there would be no reason whatsoever for him to play a college football season that starts in, say, February and runs through, I don't know, May after the draft when he is on his way to being the number one pick and a, a millionaire many times over. That would make no sense. And there are others who would fall into that exact same category. In fact, most of the list that Bill Bender put together with uh, regard to first-team All-American. We, we talked about that yesterday uh, from the Sporting News. Bill Bender, by the way, will join us this afternoon on the Farm Bureau phone line about half an hour from right now. The majority of those guys would not play. A few would, because maybe they're underclassmen, um, but most of them would not, because they Derek would be Stingley getting ready play, for the for NFL draft. Yes, Derek, uh, Derek Stingley, you would still see him, uh, likely in the spring. And, yes, it would take a toll on the bodies of college athletes to have to play a uh, you know a 10 or 11 or 12-game regular season in the spring and then go through whatever the postseason looks like. I don't know if you would try to move bowl games to the spring or you know what that would be like. But the question that came in was, how would college basketball and baseball coaches feel about that? And I like Mike Bianco a lot. And I like Kermit Davis a lot. And I like Chris Lamonis a lot. And I like Scott Berry a lot. And I like Ben Howland and Jay Ladner. But may I be honest with my answer? It doesn't matter how they feel about it. Mm-hmm. Because college football pays the bills for everyone. And if the only way to pay the bills is to have a spring edition of college football as opposed to the traditional fall college football season, then you deal with it. It's not going to be forever. It is a bump in the road. It is inconvenient. It would be nirvana 
for college sports fans in terms of what is on your television. Imagine, imagine this scenario. Super Bowl Sunday is February 7th, I believe it is. Or maybe it's the first, maybe it's the first Sunday in February. It's February 1st. But whatever the date is, doesn't matter. What if in the second week of February, in addition to conference college basketball games happening, and in addition to being just a couple of weeks away from the start of the college baseball season, the college football season was kicking off? You like the sound of that? Sounds great. You, 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 you don't busy. like the sound of that as much as you do September, October, November college football. My question is, well, would everybody survive? So you're seeing, if coronavirus shuts down college football, and in a lot of cases, colleges are either going to do mostly online or, or something of that nature, but if there's a significant outbreak, which there's going to be one at a college campus and they shut down, and then they're, they're not generating that revenue, it will, will everybody, so I'm not talking about SEC schools because they'll make it till February, but will everybody in college football be able to survive uh, a February to February without generating any revenue? Uh, for some, it would be very difficult. For your SEC schools, yeah. I mean, you you could oh, get yeah, through. Yeah, they'd be fine. You, yeah. You'd get through a college football season. But the Southern Misses of the world. I mean, w- would they be able to make it to February if they had to wait that long? Or Troy, or Arkansas State. And I know nobody really cares about Arkansas State, but they still play big time football, and it, you know it, it matters. So would they make it? My, my guess is that. If the promise of a football season was on the horizon in February, most everybody would figure out a way to make it through the fall semester. I agree. If if they knew it was coming? It, yeah, I mean, if you could kind of plan for it, because you know most of these disbursements that come in terms of dollars from television contracts don't come until the summer anyway. So, I mean, it's not like when college football season kicks off in September or October or November or December, you're getting a check for anywhere from a few hundred thousand dollars to $50 million. It's not like that's coming right when you start the football season. You do have the influx of cash that goes along with season tickets and donations and all of those things leading up to the start of football season, and that's cash that you need to operate. But if the the plan became... Now, now here's where, to me, Borky, that would get hairy, is if you were hoping that you were going to be able to do it in the spring. But but ultimately, we say you got to play it, you got to play it, you got to play it. This conversation is if you can't play it. So I I started, I think I started down this road earlier, never actually finished the, the point I was trying to make earlier, the conversation that I was having with a friend today was, we don't have to know the answer right now. You know, we, we think we do, because normally, right now on June 26th, not only do we know what the schedule is, we know what the kickoff times are for the first three weeks. We can start booking plane tickets for trips that we want to make. We can you know start 
booking Airbnbs or hotel rooms for the weekends that we're going to make home games, we can plan and plan and plan and plan. Bill Hancock pointed out yesterday, we may learn out of this that life actually can go on even if we don't know the answer to all the questions at the same time we normally know the answer to all the questions. And the reality is, teams are going to continue to prepare as if there will be a college football season. And there's no reason to think that you can't take it. I know Borky, uh, I was talking with a friend yesterday and said, yeah, August 1st has got to be the drop-dead date. we got to know by then. we got to know. I don't know that we do. I don't know that there's any reason in the world why you can't continue to prepare as if until the middle of August. And then when you're a couple of weeks out, you can evaluate the landscape and you can go, we're going to do it, but we can't have any fans in the stands. In which case, you might have ADs and schools and conferences say, if there can be no fans in the stands, we can't financially make this work. And so we've got to look at another option. Or maybe on August 15th we go, look, we've got 120 programs out there across the college football landscape. And on average, those 120 programs have 17 players that are in quarantine today. We are two weeks from the start of the season. It's an untenable situation to try to go into a season. So we got to push things back two weeks. We're going to push things back a month. We can't play this fall. Let's plan for a spring season. But again, those decisions don't have to be made today. The plans have to be put in place. The contingencies have to be laid out. All the modeling has to happen today, and maybe even already. And I think in a lot of cases it has already happened. But, hey, Dad, you don't have to make your final decision today. You can push it into August Yeah, and then figure no it out. About that. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and Brian Haydad. So let, 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 let's go, let's take this a little farther. Let's keep peeling the, the layers back a little bit. Th- those are kind of the reasons that you might get to a spring season. What would it look like? What would it feel like? Would it be fun? Would it be different? Would it be a disaster? Can you, even though it might be inconvenient, play in the spring and then turn around and play the fall again? Could you play a full schedule? Let's explore that more next. Morky, you think there is another layer to this conversation about the possibility of pushing the college football season back? Yeah, I've seen mentioned in a few places now, and everybody's favorite or least favorite doctor, depending on who you ask, uh, Fauci has said that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when a vaccine is done. And I haven't just seen it from him. Uh, there's there's a company in China working on one. You've got the one in Oxford, England that's working on one. We've got some domestically that are working on one. And the timelines are all relatively close. So most people expect a vaccine by the end of the year. So if that's the hang-up, then maybe there's your layer, is that the vaccine's done in December and you can start college football after mass distribution in February. Uh, but that is something that I imagine they're keeping an eye on for sure. 
Isn't there concern, though, about a rush to market with a vaccine that's unproven? Yeah, here's the thing. I wouldn't take it personally. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. My kid is getting vaccinated the day he can on every level of vaccination. I've been vaccinated. I believe in them wholeheartedly. But since I know this is something that, if I do get it, won't affect me that much, I would probably wait a while for other people to take it before I would. I would be weary of it. We uh, we have a texter who is a professor at Ole Miss. And he says this, I want fall football. That being said, if we aren't having face-to-face classes, we shouldn't have football. And at least 85 of the classes at Ole Miss this fall will be online. 85%. None of my classes will... 85%? That's what he means, yeah. Well, it says 85. Right, but I, I was I was helping you out. Because 85 classes total, that's like one day of lecture. Well, I, I thought he meant 85 sections. Feels like a percent is, is what he's trying to go for there. Fair, fair enough. Anyway, he says none of his classes will be in person, and it wasn't his call to make his classes online that he wants to be in the classroom. So. And what happens there? So... So, yeah, he's saying 85% of the classes at Ole Miss will be online. And so can you really I, – I, well, I think the answer is yes. And you give – and a lot of schools are going to do this. In fact, all of them are going to do it. If you do have a player that is uncomfortable with playing because of coronavirus and, and stuff like that, they will be allowed to maintain their scholarships, I imagine. But are you? can you really ask a football team to play – to be together, to live in a town and, and go to school and play and represent a school that's not even in session? Uh, that That's, I think the answer is yes, because as we've talked about, the fallout that comes from that, from them not playing, is is so significant that I don't know if you can afford not to, but at the same time, if, if a campus is only 15% open, are you really going to continue playing football? That's a question they have to answer. My guess is you will have far more than 15% of students return to the, the towns and cities in which their colleges and universities exist. I would think. Just a guess. But um, if there's no football in the, in, the, in the fall, why would they come back if they're just taking online classes? And what happens if there's a, just a campus outbreak? You know that's coming. I mean, that, you sure saw it, it in Baton Rouge. and. You know, it's summer, and they're just now slowly starting to reopen things, and they had had a party in Baton Rouge, and 30 football players are now isolated. But what happens if there's just one on campus? Well, it doesn't really impact your football team, but your campus has to shut down. Does that mean your team has to shut down too? It's a nightmare. I don't envy the people in the positions that they're in at all, in spite of their salaries. I couldn't imagine making these decisions right now and and trying to navigate this and prepare for it all because we could sit here for the next hour and a half and come up with with questions that you can't answer right now. And unlike with the football season, where we said, look, just prepare as if, and then if you have to make a decision a couple of weeks out where you go, yeah, we can't do this, you can't really do that with an entire university. In Starkville, you're talking, what, 22,000, 23,000 students on campus? Mm-hmm. In Oxford, you're talking about eighteen to 20,000 students on campus? Because Ole Miss has got the, you know, the satellite campuses and the medical center factors into to overall enrollment. 
got another text that says all math courses are either remote or online at Ole Miss. Yeah, well, who needs math anyway? All of us. I took one math class. Look where I am now. I have a kid somehow. <laughs> yeah. You do. Elementary statistics. We were doing box and whisker plots four weeks into the class. It was it was a joke, man. Did you make an A in it? Yeah. It was my freshman year. I really tried when I was a freshman. My effort waned as my four years went on. Yeah. Greg and Nettleson, uh, Nettleton says he thinks I would make a great insurance agent. <laughs> is that an insult? or I don't know if it is no. or not, but my, my general thought in that was, you know, if college sports doesn't come back one of these days, I may have to yeah. <laughs> explore my ability to uh, sell insurance or something. I've seen my insurance guy's house, and I... Maybe I should go into insurance, man. You're saying there are there are worse jobs? <laughs> Apparently so, yeah. Um The idea of spring football sounds so strange. But but let's just let's just play it forward. Let, let let's say that that's what you end up with. That's not what anybody wants. That's not what college administrators are trying to get to. It's not what most coaches want. But let's just say that's how it ends up. And it looks incredibly different. What do you think? Other than the fact that it would be weird. Honestly, though, if we don't get football this fall, if that does happen and they do move to a February start, it, what's going to be weird to say out loud is February you still have college football weather, the good kind. You know, not September mm -hmm. Mississippi college football weather, but like, 55 degrees and hazy. So you'll start the season and the weather that I love the most, so even though it's February, it'll still kind of feel like it when you wake up on a Saturday morning. Think about this. Let's say, you know, last weekend of February. Friday night, SEC baseball. Saturday afternoon, SEC men's basketball. Saturday night, SEC football. Doubleheader of SEC baseball on Sunday. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited about oh this. Oh, my gosh. Think that's about, awesome, too, because they wouldn't have to compete against the NFL. State too. I think about Mississippi State, too, in terms of they've been having trouble getting men's basketball attendance. Well, now it's on a football weekend. The hump's packed because everybody's there. There's like, well, we might as well go. And on Monday morning, I introduced myself to my children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, I'm leaving the house Friday morning. I'll be like, see y'all Sunday night. Man, you could get so creative with that because they wouldn't have to come. The NFL is going to play this fall. They're gonna, it, right. that, that's going to happen. So Sundays are free. You could get so creative with baseball and basketball weekends centered around football. I mean, and you would hope that you could get the SEC to work with you a little bit for your Saturday games to like, hey, you know, we've got Auburn in oh, town this to. weekend. Can you kind of throw to. us a bone and have our basketball team here too and work around that? And that would be making the best – out of a bad scenario, tenfold. They'd have to figure out the locations and the times, obviously, because okay, we've got a night kickoff. We can't have the basketball game going on at the same time. There, we got to we got to maximize everything. But it would be it would be a fan's delight, no question about it. And like by you the said, way, I got a text from another professor who says 
doesn't sound like all decisions have been made. I'm teaching three classes. Two of them are hybrid, some in-class time, some Zoom time, and my third class is all face-to-face in the classroom. But his caveat was, of course, it's still June. And things can... I guess we're getting close on decision time, but it, like my wife watches the news in the morning, so this morning it seemed devastating, right? I mean, you had one guy that was even calling for lockdowns again, which, good luck. But um, Florida is shutting down bars, for example, because they weren't adhering to 50% capacity and things of that nature. Um, It's really bad right now, but two weeks ago it wasn't. And so maybe two weeks from now we correct this upward trend and get back into it and then things get better and we've still got time. Maybe that's overly optimistic, but I keep thinking that you know we still have time before decisions have to be made, and things can get better between now and then. Plenty of time, but not nearly as much time as we used to have. Nope. And that's not like some philosophical statement. I mean, like, literally on the calendar when we first started talking about all this and immediately began thinking toward college football season after baseball was canceled and we realized our next live sports at the collegiate level was going to be when football season started that was like the third week of march well we're now just two months out we're only eight weeks away so yeah we've still got some time but time is ticking away Bill Bender joins us next. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Friday. Let's go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bill Bender joins us right now. You want to follow Bill on Twitter? You should because he uh, he tweets everything that he writes, and what he writes is uh, usually thoughtful and insightful and interesting you can do that at BillBender92. Bill, what's up? Hey, not much, Richard. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, always good to visit with you. It's been a little while. Uh, where where are you on the college football roller coaster right now? Is, uh, you know, we, we have some momentum. We feel excited about it. It looks like things are trending in the right direction, and then it feels like some of that momentum goes away. Are we going to get it back? What do you think? Well, I'm hoping we get it back safely. I mean, the numbers are obviously are what they are, these spikes in certain states in the South and in the West are concerning. And, um, you know, I don't know what that number is. I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the theories that I think there's some credence to is maybe we think about doing this the right way, push it back to October, play 10 games, and do it from there. Play them in your conference if you have to. It'd be fun. I think baseball, actually, with the 60-game thing, has a pretty good model going on right now. That's an interesting way to uh, to look at it. So take me a little a little deeper into that idea. We just scrap the entire month of September. We get rid of all non conference games, and then you just play teams in your conference. Yeah, I mean that's, that that might be the safest way to do it right now. I know there's a lot of concerns about travel. I know there's a lot of concerns about testing. Um, and, and if you play within your conference, then it's on your conference, right? It's not on the Sun Belt having different restrictions than the SEC or the Big Ten versus the SEC. And then when you get to the playoff, it's pretty uniform. I think one of the things I am worried about, Richard, is I don't know what this means for the bowl games. I think because they're going to want to wrap it up as soon as possible if they can. Um, 
depending on but then again the bulls are something to make a ton of money for college football so i think that goes both ways yeah not only makes a ton of money for college football but for the the broadcast partners i mean the the bowl games are cash cows for television more than anything it's why we get to watch the bahamas bowl and the you know all the bowl games that espn owns where they basically have built inventory to be able to sell advertising for sure and i think that's something to keep in mind as we we monitor how they play the Bulls, how they do the Bulls system, and everything that comes with that. And I think that's something that I have kept a close watch on. Um, but, yeah, I think as long as we can do it safely and, and these COVID numbers go down, and, they, and this is that second spike we all heard about. It's what's happening now. And hopefully, you know, maybe through September it's over, rather than pressing the reset button all the way to the spring. Because I don't know that a spring season is viable. I just don't from the standpoint that I would worry that too many players – that have their eyes on the NFL might opt out. And we're talking about star players, good players, and uh, good teams. And that's one of my biggest concerns with that. Yeah, I actually think that dovetails pretty nicely with the uh, the column of yours that we talked about yesterday where um, you, you laid out the first-team All-Americans, the, the preseason All-Americans. The overwhelming majority of that list we would not see if there was a spring football season, Right. I mean, what would be the incentive for a Trevor Lawrence to play or a Travis Etienne to play? Uh, if yeah, if you've got your eye on your future and you can't jeopardize that with a spring season, so I, I think that combined with you know, then you do a spring season. Are you really going to turn right around and do another fall season behind it? I mean, that's borderline irresponsible in, in terms of developing players. So I, I think that's what's why I'm more on board with if we can delay it and push the envelope and do it in October, great and. In worst-case scenario, we don't have it, which I absolutely don't want, and you don't want, and nobody in the media business wants, because it's going to impact all of us, too. Yeah, there, there's no question about that. Look, people that are that are either smarter than I am or more experienced in football than I am have, have said, eh, there's just no way you can do two college football seasons in one calendar year. Cole Kubelik told me that the, the physical toll that a season takes, you just can't turn around and do it again, and I heard you say the exact same thing. But my question would be, why not? I mean, we are talking about 18- to 22-year-olds, so we're talking about young, resilient, athletic bodies. If you wrap a season up, say, I don't know, Memorial Day weekend, uh, a college football season, or, or the first week of June, why can't you just put in a mandatory dead period until, you know, outside of a little bit of working out, until August 1st, where, where you do nothing for the month of June, and the entire month of July, and then kind of start back over. And maybe you got to ease into it, and maybe you even push the start of the, the 2021 season back a couple of weeks to, to give a little extra time. Why can't you do that? Well, I mean, again, I think with, with unpaid athletes, you're, you're getting into a, you know just abusing them as student-athletes. I mean, they do. to your point, though, they do do spring football, and it's six or seven weeks of workouts but i mean i think the, the tone of spring football versus the tone of a actual season and everything that goes into that and the logistics is a little bit different um you know and how's that going to overlap with if they try to play basketball again or they try to do other sports i think your answer is who cares it's football and that's most people's answer but at the same time yeah i, I think that would be risky um because i think if you do do it you, these athletes are going to want more and more and they're going to deserve it at that point Walk me through the the highlights in your mind. Visiting with Bill Bender from the uh, Sporting News. You can follow him on Twitter at BillBender92. 
Well, walk me through the highlights, the names that absolutely pop off the page to you in terms of your uh, your preseason first-team All-Americans. I mean, obviously, if you eliminate quarterback, I mean, Lawrence and you know Justin Fields are obvious big names. I think on the offensive side, a guy like Jamar Chase is back, and he's one of the nation's best receiving nation's best receiver last year. And you wonder what he's going to do with a new quarterback. Um, Penny Sewell, if the quarterback's not drafted number one in the NFL draft, then Penny Sewell will be. Um, he's a dominant tackle. It looks really good. I think defensive side of the ball, you got Michael Parsons at Penn State. You wonder can he push that program to a high Big Ten championship heights with how good he is from the side to side basis. And then I keep hearing Derek Stingley get compared to Charles Woodson. And in my opinion, Charles Woodson's one of the greatest football players of all time. So you wonder if he lives up to that billing, the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, that's um, in terms of comparisons. If you are a sophomore defensive back and people are saying, "Oh yeah, Charles Woodson is the comp," that's uh, that's pretty high praise. Um, in terms of guys that got left off, so so you mentioned the quarterback position, pretty clear cut. Trevor Lawrence on the first team, Justin Fields on the second team. Is there anybody that's close to those two at that particular position? I mean, Sam Howell. There's a lot of expectations for him. At North Carolina, if he makes that jump as a sophomore and continues to improve there, I think uh, guys like, um, you know, after that, it's kind of a little bit of a cliff to me because you're really going to need a playmaker to to be on that level of two guys that played at a Heisman clip. But, I mean, you know, this is a big year for Sam Ellinger, the Texas veteran quarterbacks, played a lot of big games. Whoever's under center for Oklahoma, and it appears to be Spencer Rattler, they're going to put up some numbers as well. And then, even a veteran like Ian Book, who Notre Dame fans seem to be hot and cold on, played in a lot of games and won a lot of big games, and you wonder if he can push them to the next level. Bill, what do you think about K.J. Costello at Mississippi State? So, so K.J. Costello, we know what he did at Stanford. When he was healthy, the numbers were really, really good in a pretty conservative pro-style offense. With him throwing it 50 to 60 times a game, how eye-popping do you anticipate the numbers being? I figure he'll have some stats. He'll get stats playing in that offense and then putting up the numbers and throwing it around as much as he will. Um, you wonder, I mean, and here's the thing with Washington State, their last couple quarterbacks have gotten the NFL look. Luke, Luke Falk, Gardner Minshew. I mean, those are guys that Anthony Gordon got drafted. So these are guys that are getting a shot at the next level. Now, they may not be first or second round picks, but it would just be interesting to see how KJ Costello, who was a highly recruited quarterback, goes from that pro-style offense to an offense where he's going to be expected to check it around the whole time. Are you buying Mike Leach in the SEC? And, and I guess that's a two-part question. Are you buying him short-term, like right out of the gate? And then are you buying him long-term, thinking maybe three, four years to really get the system in, to get all the people in that he wants to make his system work? Well, I don't know if I'm buying him, but I, I know I'm excited to see it because I was kind of hoping this would happen with Tennessee a few years ago where doesn't matter if he's good or bad. At least we're getting that brand, that excitement, that that coach in the SEC, and we're going to see. And it's gonna, they're going to play some weird games. I, I can tell you from staying up and watching some of those Pac-12 shootouts. I mean, they're going to throw it. They're going to struggle in defense, and he's not going to care because he's going to throw it anyway. And uh, <laughs> it may make a couple SEC coaches uncomfortable, or it could be a reality check. I do believe they play Alabama and LSU in back-to-back weeks. It doesn't get more of a reality check than that. Do you think that this is more of a challenge for Mike Leach's offense against SEC defenses or SEC defenses against Mike Leach's offense? I think it's more of a challenge for, for Mike Leach because the one time, you know, the times that, that that 
ends up struggling are the times when they play physical defensive lines. I've always said that when I've watched them. You know, you can go back to, I think it was a, I don't know, you'll remember this. Wasn't there an Ole Miss-Texas Tech game back then when he was at Texas Tech? Yeah, the Cotton Bowl. Ole Miss kind of smacked him around a little bit, didn't they? Uh, it, it, yeah, it took a while, but but ultimately kind of turned things around in the second half and ended up winning that game, and that was a Texas Tech team that, until the very end of the season, was in a hunt for a national championship. Right, and that's what I'm saying, that physical defensive line. How does Mike Leach compensate for that? Because sometimes that can disrupt the timing of an offense like that, and I don't know. That was a pull. I'd have to go back and look at the box score, but I just I always get that feeling when his teams play that kind of SEC defensive line. So I think it's more of a test of Leach and how he adapts and how that offense adapts to playing against those athletes that they're going to face in the SEC on a week-to-week basis. Certainly is going to be fun to watch. Bill, always appreciate your time. Hope you have a great weekend. Hey, no problem. You guys be safe down there. Thanks for having me. That's Bill Bender from the Sporting News. We'll be right back. There's a hold-up. Keep a pump in and don't run it now. I wish I... Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you on this Friday afternoon. Haydad, are you angry? No. I just, I don't know. I feel like we've been sitting here just shy of two hours, and I have not seen you smile the entire time. Not one time have I seen you smile today. I just feel like your body language is not exuding happiness. I don't know what to tell you. I'm Look, there's a kid. smile. There's a chuckle. There's a laugh. Yeah. I, I mean, mean I, I before just, you know it, I'm going to be like, listening. You've been around Michael Borky too long. You never smile. Well, that's that's. I smile that's, all the time when I'm not in your proximity. So take that for what that's worth. You're not technically in his proximity. I mean, you're like three hours away from each other. Yeah, it's not far enough. <laughs> Yikes. Rough. I don't know. Oh, I kind of think we've got like the greatest job in America, and you guys are just sitting there with scowls on your face all day. I don't get it. <laughs> Zero responses. There's a big old yawn from Hayden. That's there his some, response. There was Beautiful. something I, I could have said, and I chose not to because I'm gonna I'm gonna be the bigger man and walk away here. 601-879-4395. Wait, directed toward me or toward Haydad? Both of you. But I, I'm, I'm choosing not to. I, it's Friday. A good day. Going to have a good weekend. The Sahara Desert is coming to Mississippi, which apparently news guy said this morning is going to lead to some cool sunsets. But all the pictures I've seen so far are just like hazy smog, so I don't know who to believe anymore. Do what? We have a a sand... A big cloud of sand from the Sahara Desert. Hey, Dad, I thought he was going to say it. I thought not only was he going to say it, but he was going to have I it queued might up, and he was going to say, we have a sandstorm the music coming. queued up. Da, 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 da. We're on the same page. Da, da, can you da, 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 make da, da, da. it happen? Shout out to Bob Carscadden. Man, I'm da, 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 da. Where were you What's on that, Borky? Come on. So No, you're good. Don't, don't look. Okay, so there's a sandstorm coming to Mississippi? Da, 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 da. <laughs> so... It's not a sandstorm because it's not going to, like, like you can go outside. But it's this big cloud of sand that has been taken from the Sahara Desert that got up into the atmosphere somehow and has been going our direction. And it it is going to, like, alter the atmosphere. It'll look different for the next couple of days because of this cloud of sand. 
there's a plus side to it too. Evidently, it it uh, prohibits the formation of tropical storms. So what? There you go. Anyway, this immediately so, takes me to Columbia, South Carolina, on an infamous know, right? Thursday night in uh, Ole Miss football I gotta, history. I got I to send out a tweet here while we're doing this. Uh, huh. But that said, yeah, apparently we don't have any uh, tropical storm slash uh, hurricane warnings while this is going on. So that's a good thing. Well, that that's good news. Uh, so how long will it last? And is it going to get, like, grit in my eyes? No. See, it won't be that bad. It's really mostly just going to alter, like, the way the sky looks, Is it, if the news guy was telling the truth this morning. But he, he kept saying that the sunsets are going to be great. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that's something to look forward to. But hey, Dad told me it was going to rain all weekend. Hey, Dad, it's not going to rain all weekend. Are you calling 30% my wife a liar? tomorrow, 20% Sunday, 20% Monday. Is that in Oxford? Because I don't live there. Oh, okay, I've got West Point on here, too. I'll pull that up. And if you give me the I don't live in West Point either thing, I'm, I'm going to scream at I mean, you. I don't, but that's fine. Yeah, but close enough. Um, Saturday, 20% and cloudy. Sunday, 20% and uh, partly cloudy. Monday, 20%, mostly cloudy. Looks to well, me like you've is... got some prime grilling weather tomorrow, my friend. Uh, my, my wife is a liar, and I will bring this up with her when I get home. But uh, that said, I've well, already on, made no, no, all the purchases. You called your wife a liar for the I entire state of Mississippi. I like, hey, is it going to rain this weekend? I did not. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just just being abundantly clear about that. I'm just, I don't have a problem with what I just said. She, I asked her earlier. I was like, hey, is it going to rain all weekend? She said, yeah, according to the uh, the app here, it is. So, Allen and Vicksburg said dust, and it's here now. Jake says it's already here in South Mississippi. My windshield is covered in red and orange dust, definitely visible in open areas. Here's another one. It's already in the 601. Nice. Well, it doesn't look like that out my window, but, man, I'm, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it in a weird way. I mean, how often can you say that you've got Sahara Desert sand on your car windshield? Yeah, I don't know. This might be a first. In terms of economic stimulus, it'll be a good time to own a car wash. Got the... Uh, Rick Cleveland, the governor, is going to join us next... He has done some outstanding work over the uh, the last few days, and uh, look forward to talking to him about that. Back with the U Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We roll into the 5 o'clock hour, and so I say to you, welcome to the weekend. Let's start things off here on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Rick Cleveland joins us right now. He writes at Mississippi Today, nicknamed the governor. I think you have to have been doing your job in the same place for a long time to uh, be able to wear that nickname. Rick, what's up, my friend? Don't know, Richard. How you doing, buddy? 
I am uh, I'm good. Always enjoy uh, our conversations, our visits, and uh, you've been busy over the last few days. Uh, have done fantastic work uh, covering the flag debate in the state capitol uh, from a sports perspective. So let's rewind to yesterday. We talked a lot yesterday with Brian Haydad, who was there covering this for, for us at the capitol. You've seen a lot of things uh, in in your time covering sports in the Missis- in the state of Mississippi. You ever seen anything like yesterday? No, it was it was Richard. It was a really surreal scene there uh, in the Capitol Rotunda. Uh, you know, all those coaches lined up uh, with a lot of legislators, uh, senators, reps uh, watching and. Um, you know, I mean, here we were in in the Mississippi State Capitol with with all these coaches and ads, all with masks on, uh, lined up the stairway, uh, uh, and you know what I kept thinking? I kept thinking to myself is that uh, new people, uh, particularly. Uh, you know the, the the new football coaches at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. They must feel like they just landed on another planet. <laughs> I mean, here we are with all this this rigmarole going about changing a flag that was a battle flag of a war that Mississippi lost a hundred and sixty years ago. I mean, I was. I mean, I, 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 the thought just kept coming back to me the whole time. Uh, I will say that that uh, the two spokespersons, uh, Kermit Davis Jr. and uh, Nikki McCray Pinson, were both very eloquent. And and then the Speaker of the House, uh, Philip Gunn, did a remarkable job, I thought, with his speech that uh, extemporaneously, right, right, right after the two coaches were finished, and uh, but it was it was a surreal day. Rick, a, y- yesterday has been called. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I, no, I was just going to say. I, I feel like you use the word surreal. I've heard people say it felt like a powerful move uh, moment. It felt like a historic moment. All of those things can be true, but I've also heard people. Uh, refer to yesterday as a little bit of a dog and pony show, uh, where you know it felt like you were just kind of rolling out all the big names to to try to persuade. So I'm curious from you, having been there yesterday, do you think that there is or could be a tangible benefit to all of those administrators and coaches being there to lobby on behalf of changing the state flag? And interact with some of the legislators, or do you think it was more of a uh, a savvy PR move for, for all the universities to kind of have their coaches there to say, "Look, regardless of what the legislator uh, Lature does, this is what we believe in." It, well, it could be both. You know, I mean, I'm not saying that that either one of those is not right. I I, I do. I don't know how much it moved the needle, uh, but it. It, it was an impressive show of unity. Uh, you know, you had you had Ole Miss State, USM, the SWAC schools, Delta State, uh, MUW, um, coaches, athletic directors, administrators, um, 
I mean, it was an impressive show, and 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 they're not they're not um, doing this for no reason. I mean, they're, these, these schools have a chance to get hurt really, really bad if, if yeah. that flag doesn't change. I mean, uh, you know, there could be teams from out of state that refuse to come play. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt them recruiting. It's going to hurt them by not being able able to host regional tournaments. Um, it's it's going to hurt in the pocketbook. It's going to hurt from a from a PR standpoint. Uh, there's there's real no there's no positive there. Rick, have you been able to wrap your mind around the idea that without a flag change, the the great scenes in late May and early June that we have seen in Starkville surrounding Mississippi State baseball, in Hattiesburg surrounding Southern Miss baseball, and in Oxford surrounding Ole Miss baseball could be no more? I mean, that's really hard to swallow if you love college baseball the way so many people in the state of Mississippi do. Well, I do love college baseball, and I'm proud of the brand that we have in Mississippi, and I think it would be uh, a damn shame that, that if we don't have those regionals anymore. Uh, but I, I, I don't. This is this is no this is no uh, bluff. This is what they're going to do. Uh, and you know, I'm. I'm I, I'm holding. I've made no secret which side of this I'm on. I'm, I'm, I'm 60, be 68 in October. Lived in Mississippi all but one year of my life. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for changing that flag. That flag has done us no good. It, it doesn't do us any good from an economic standpoint. It doesn't do us any good from a. And, and the worst thing is. Uh, we we are the we have the largest percentage of African African American um, citizens uh, in in America, and and that flag was a battle flag. I mean, it contains the battle flag of a war that was fought to preserve slavery. I mean, yeah, all you, you guys know, do. All you got to do is read the article of succession, the, the, the uh, statement of succession uh, that, that was written that said it was solely based on preserving slavery. I mean, yeah. it's right there in black and white. Uh, yeah, and, and that kind of pokes some holes in the uh, the whole states' rights and economic reasons that the the war was fought. I mean, it, it's pretty clear in the uh, the reasons that Mississippi seceded. You know, I'm right there with you. I, I haven't hidden. We haven't hidden behind the idea that uh, that we want it changed as well. I am curious. I mean, you you remember vividly 2001 when we went through this process uh, via a referendum, and it wasn't do you want to change the flag or not. It was do you want to change the flag from the current flag to the proposed flag, and it overwhelmingly was turned down. In the event that this were to go to a referendum, and and I don't think it's going to happen that way, I I think we're going to have the legislators make a decision, do you think the feelings of Mississippi writ large have changed enough to to have a a majority plus one uh, in a popular vote? 
I really believe it has. I, I believe it has. I hope we don't go through any, you know, through that because so much dirty laundry will be. It'll be ugly. Yeah, it'll be it'll be extremely ugly, uh, and um, and it will be well covered by the national media, and it will bring uh, nothing, in, in my opinion, except shame upon the state. Yeah, I agree Listen, with you on that. You know, we, my, we talked my, about that my, earlier today, in fact. Yeah, my, my, my wife was uh, worked in international marketing for the state for under six different governors. And I can tell you what she told me is that the, the flag was always a factor in trying to uh, both attract business to Mississippi and to sell Mississippi products overseas. Uh, it just ha- it, it's not doing us any good. We've got one Fortune 500 company in the state, and we're not going to have any more. I mean, you know, it's just it's not it's not helping us. It's hurting us. Well, and hopefully uh, a change can start a ripple effect. Maybe that uh, a few more of our college graduates that are some of the best and brightest can stay in the state. Maybe that we can attract more jobs and more business and uh, and get on the right side of history moving forward. That's my opinion, uh, and certainly, Rick, appreciate you sharing yours. Fantastic work at Mississippi Today over the last few weeks covering this story, and uh, hopefully uh, the, the postscript to uh, all of this is going to be a, a happy one for those who want to see a change. Always enjoy our conversations, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, buddy. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Rick Cleveland from uh, Mississippi Today. You can follow him on Twitter at Rick Cleveland. He does a, uh, a fantastic job. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. We will be right back. C Spire text line open 601-879-4395. Upgrade your Anywhere office with Microsoft Teams from Microsoft. Included with Microsoft 365 and C Spire Business, their experts can equip your organization to chat, meet, call, and collaborate from anywhere on one secure, easy-to-use platform. And when you order from C Spire Business, they'll also provide dedicated 24-7 support to make sure you get the most from Microsoft 365 and help scale your services as your business needs change. Find the right plan for you at cspire.com slash business. Circle back. Normally we do this at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Appreciate Rick Cleveland joining us on the Farm Bureau phone line. Again, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Real quick, yesterday at the the, uh, legislature, I'm sitting there in the gallery, and they there is a state representative that looks enough like Rick Cleveland that I looked over at Joel and said, "Is that Rick Cleveland? I know they call him the governor. What's he doing on the floor down there?" It was not Rick Cleveland, but it looked just like him. And he's not technically the governor; just a nickname. He, I'd vote for him. Yeah. Time for the college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. I'll go to buyfordnow.com. Find out about the full lineup of Ford vehicles and the great savings that you can find on them. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Borky, you say this is the official jumping of the shark? Yeah, people, 
over the last few days have asked us where does it stop. Well, I think I found a pretty good, uh, pretty good line to draw here. This is crossing over from necessary to ridiculous. Okay. Oregon and Oregon State will play each other tentatively on November 28th this fall. Assuming, uh, yes. And forever, this long time, I, I say forever, for a long time, the rivalry between the Ducks and the Beavers has been called the Civil War. No more. The universities announced that they have mutually agreed to no longer officially refer, uh, refer to Oregon, Oregon State. Rivalry games as such, it's a decision that is effective immediately and includes athletic competitions spanning all sports. According to a press release from the University of Oregon, their former quarterback, Dennis Dixon, played an important role in the change. However, quote, mutual discussions as well as conversations with university officials and input from current and former student-athletes from both schools were used as well. The rivalry has not been renamed, though deliberations on that subject are expected to continue in the coming months. Here's a quote from the president of the University of Oregon. I want to acknowledge and thank the current and former student-athletes who raised concerns about the historic name of the rivalry games played between our two institutions. Don't they have to go with the platypus bowl now? <laughs> the big trophy of a giant platypus? I mean, come on. That, that writes itself. This story is from CBS Sports. The uh, final paragraph in the story is college athletics has made several changes in the wake of the recent Black Lives Matter movement. Among the changes, Florida will discontinue the popular gator bait cheer at school-sanctioned events due to its uh, his, well, racial imagery. Uh, it should say historic or historical racial imagery. you got to go way back in history to find that. And frankly, I learned something for the very first time when I read the history of it. Texas athletes have asked for the Eyes of Texas song to be taken out of game day traditions. You remember that it debuted in 1903 in a minstrel show, uh, and it was performed by uh, minstrels in blackface. Learned something there as well. And the state of Mississippi is also once again at the center of immense pressure to change its state flag, which contains the Confederate emblem. I mean... (laughs) I understand why they're doing it, I guess, because they want to get out ahead of something. But I saw somebody pointed out today, it's incredibly selfish in a way to think that the United States is the only country that's ever had a civil war. I mean, that is not a name that was created to describe the clash between the Union and the Confederacy 150 years ago in the United States. That is something that has been used forever. And since I was born, in the last 28 years of the world, we have had, uh, I don't want to count them all, but civil wars all over the world, including in Yemen, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Congo, in Cambodia, in Nepal, in Albania, in Congo, in Congo again, in Iraq, in Liberia, in Syria, in Iraq, in Libya, and Yemen again. I mean, that is not a term that is tied to that event. It is a term to describe a conflict between people within their own border. It is a good nickname for that rivalry game. And it's not like anybody at all when you say Civil War thinks Oregon. It's just, that's the one step too far thing. I mean, come on. Look, but I mean, here's the reality. 
any words, phrases, or names that have even potential connotations that tie to the Civil War, slavery, oppression, etc., are under attack. You could... you. I would listen to you if you said to me, Richard, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. I would. I wouldn't agree with you, and I think I could defend it in both directions. I want the flag change because I believe it's the right thing to do. I don't like how it represents the state of Mississippi. But I don't think you got to change everything. Do you need to change the name of the Masters Golf Tournament? Because one definition of master is slave owner? Oh, and now real estate agents are changing the name of the main bedroom in homes. Okay. Can't call it the master bedroom anymore. Call it the big daddy bedroom. <laughs> the big boy and big girl bedroom. Eh, whatever. I, okay. But just every showing is every showing gives you like it's like MTV Cribs. You just go. This is where the magic happens, and then, and then you go to the next place. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, uh, what is it, that idiot Sean King that's uh, attacking the Masters? No, it wasn't Sean King. No, it was Rob Parker. Yeah. Okay, that idiot Rob Parker. That idiot idiot still remains. Who had Masters degree in his Twitter bio as he shared an article that he wrote that said the name Masters should be gone. Can't make it up. Many of you have texted this. And you've said Ole Miss Rebels is next. I'd argue one of those is far more likely than the other. I would agree with that. I think... I think that the people that are working at Ole Miss are forward-thinking enough that they're not... Like, their, their head is not buried in the sand on this deal. And my guess would be they're working on a plan for whenever that debate seriously arises. And this is, I mean, this is nothing more than a guess. I'm going to say it out loud, okay, because many of you think this is the case already. My guess is that at some point in the near yeah not near future some point in the future i don't know if that's 6 weeks 6 months 6 years 6 decades but at some point in the future rebels is no longer the nickname that goes along with old miss but i think i think i don't know this i think the university is going to draw a line in the sand and say we can agree that there's just no way around it. That's a name that needs to go. Ole Miss is not. The idea that's been thrown around of what what that phrase meant in slavery times has absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing to do with the name of the university. It is the brand it is the way the university is recognized. It has ties to the Mississippi River, 
There are ties to the old railroad. It's a state of mind, a place, a nickname, all of those things. They're going to have to say it a whole lot more clearly and concisely and with a really good plan than I just did. But my guess is that's going to be the line where they go, non-negotiable, move on. I think Rebels' days are numbered, though. Yeah. Are you think I'm crazy? No. I'm not telling you. Not at all. I'm not telling you I want that. I'm not telling you I'm advocating for that. I am certainly not. I am certainly not. But I think it's days or not. The nickname. I don't know what the new nickname is. Maybe you don't even have a new nickname. Maybe you're just like, whatever. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. Um, whew. A lot of a lot of response. <laughs> a lot of response on the ceasefire text line. And I, I hope you heard me a second ago when I said I'm not advocating for this. The idea that Ole Miss becomes something other than the Rebels. I'm just looking into the future and looking at the landscape that we're in right now and saying that's that's the conversation that is on the horizon. And I, but I don't know what the horizon is. Right? I, I don't. I don't know if that's like an immediate conversation or a somewhere down the line conversation or a years down the line conversation. Trying to tie what slaves called the lady of the house and what the name, the nickname of the university is, though, is that's a bridge too far for me. That's such a stretch. It, it, but that's just me. School does need to get out ahead of that, though. I mean, because that, it, it, you've that, you've got to have an impeachable plan. I mean, you've got to have this thing, Borky. Lined out, you lay it out, you don't legislate, you just say, this is what we're going to do, this is what it means, and we're moving on. Yeah, write whatever editorial you want. Talk about it all you want. We're done. This is what we're doing, period. Yeah, and, and then even an explanation. I mean, that that thing that you just said made it all the way to, to Dan Patrick's show. But the thing that he got it from was Pat Forty, who also alluded to some people think that's where it comes from, but there's no evidence to support that. So if there's no evidence to support that, and I know people at Ole Miss listen to this show, if that's true and there is no real hard evidence to support that, give people like a link to send in response to somebody that thinks that. Get out ahead of it. If, that's, if what Pat Forty wrote is true... And there's no hard evidence to suggest that that is actually where that came from. If that is actually what they what they said, that's what that's what Forty, who as as a lot of you know, Pat Forty really likes writing about Ole Miss, especially when it can be negative. It generates clicks and reaction, and that's his job, and it works. And people get really fired up at him about it. But when even he can say, "I, I couldn't find." anywhere where that came from, the school needs to get out ahead of that crap. If you're going to keep that name, you can't have people thinking that that's what that name is, if in fact that is true. 
get out ahead of it or else the narrative's going to run wild and at some point you won't be able to stop it. As I, as I understand it, and I've not seen this myself, apparently David Han- uh, Sansing, who was a Mississi- Mississippi historian, an Ole Miss historian, there was a footnote. What? Why are you laughing at me, Hayden? Because you were like messing up the. the, the Be- because the I couldn't pronounce the word Mississippi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, There's other media outlets in this state. Maybe that you should you know look at. Yeah. Um, anyway, Doctor David Sansing, who was a historian that covered Mississippi and Ole Miss, um, there was a footnote in some book that he wrote somewhere that referenced the lady of the house in Annabelle and Times as, I'm sorry, Annabelle would not be the right word, in the time when slavery was legal as being referred to as Ole Miss. That's the only, it's the only place I've ever heard it. And I don't know what the source of that is or what if there's any collaboration on it anywhere. All I know is that a grand total of nobody, not one person, associated with Ole Miss has that thought. It's something that was a footnote in a history book that people not associated with Ole Miss desperately want to be true because they know it creates controversy. So, anyway. Controversy does sell, I suppose. The NCAA, Brian Haydad's favorite organization. You love it, don't you? You're so gonna love this. To talk about. I don't. I don't even know what we're we're talking about. But let's let's just get Mary Harden Baylor. You know what she did? No. You know what the NCAA thinks of her? I don't. Do you know, know who Mary Harden Baylor is? Isn't that a school? It is. Okay. The University of Mary Harden Baylor must vacate wins in which a student athlete competed while ineligible according to a decision issued by the Division Three Infractions Appeals Committee. You may remember this story from a while back. I remember going through the initial uh, punishment. Uh, the Committee on Infractions decision regarding Mary Harden Baylor, the committee found the football staff members led by the head coach violated recruiting and extra benefit rules by providing impermissible transportation. Football coach Pete Fredenberg said, this decision will hurt for a long time, but I've learned from this experience our program will continue to move forward and build on our legacy going into the 2020 season. Didn't he let a player borrow a car that was like barely crankable? His 2006 Subaru. A player didn't have the ability to get from A to B, so his coach said, hey, man, you can borrow my car. A guy in an Uber next time, for God's sake. You, you, you have to, you actually have to jumpstart it to get it to go. To be, but be my guest. <laughs> just the tone deafness to, especially in these times, uphold a penalty like that, but to know what is going on in college athletics around the country, and you take a national championship away from a program and a coach who did a good guy thing. Good guy. I mean, it's not like. He sent the player to the dealership to get an Escalade to drive around. He let him borrow his own car because the kid didn't have any transportation of his own. That is it. 
And they that is take, unacceptable is what that is. They take a national championship away, yet North Carolina basketball can have fake classes and give A's, and they don't even care. The, the, and this is what we talked about with Mississippi. I mean, think about the difference between what Mississippi State did and what North Carolina did. Well, who's serving punishment on probation right now? Not the worst one. It's The whole thing is... Top to bottom, just ridiculous. And if it wasn't for coronavirus, or maybe coronavirus is going to be the thing that does it, but a breakaway cannot happen fast enough. Hey, this is just... It, when is, like, Mary Harden's Baylor, Mary Harden Baylor's president going to put his hand up and say, guys, maybe we don't need these people? Because this just... That's not justice. That's... What does it matter if the president of Mary Harden Baylor raises his hand and says that? Uh, that was a bad example. Like... Somebody in their conference. Because you know the president of the school is upset, but like maybe somebody that that they're in conjunction with. Just, hey man, that's not right. Why, why are we following these rules? Because you didn't pay the kid. Kid didn't take money from a booster. We don't have boosters. I mean, we, we get mom and dad and girlfriend to come watch us play. We don't have boosters. And you did a nice thing to a kid in need and they take your national championship away from you. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the right way to go about this. I'm at a Division three school, at, at a Division three school that does not offer scholarships. Division three schools are not allowed to give athletic scholarships. <laughs> so the a kid's coach, paying his own way. <laughs> a, a, a kid who's paying his own way to school was loaned a decade-old Subaru hatchback, I would assume, to get around. And as a result, the NCAA stripped the school of a national championship and, oh, by the way, accepted the self-imposed penalties, including two years probation, enhanced compliance training, a $2,500 fine, a suspension of the head coach for three months without pay, and for the first three games, of the 2018 football season. Because Coach let a player borrow his Subaru that was a decade old. And got the death penalty if it had been a Toyota. I bet it was I bet it was well taken care of. Maybe it was a decade old Toyota. Maybe we should see what kind of... Uh, you can drive it for another 10 decades if my old Toyota say, is let's anything. Let's see what kind of NCAA violations I can get. I don't, chose to sell mine, but I got it to, it to a student athlete. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Wait, how many miles did you have on? I got it to 265 before I sold it. Hmm. It was awesome, man. No issues. That just So why'd you sell it? Because I had the means to get a newer vehicle. You strike me as one of those drive it till the wheels fall off kind of guys. Yeah, and it was and getting you close. I mean, it was it was 265, man. I mean, that's that's get that's getting there. I think you're talking out of both sides of your mouth, Borky. Yeah, I was younger and dumb. In hindsight, I, I wish I wouldn't have bought that car because that extra money that I put as the uh, the down payment could be really helpful right now with a growing eight-month-old. I'm just messing with you. I promise you I'm not the one that's going to give you a hard time about going to buy a new car. <laughs> not in the least. In fairness, it was a 13, so hardly new. Did you not find an 06 Subaru? We'll wrap up the
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.